Romans chapter number 12. The Bible tells us in verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, verse number 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're told in the Bible here in verse number 1 not to be conformed to this world. Conformed would mean something like this, to be similar or in line with. Paul is writing to the Roman church and he is challenging them to, to not be conformed or similar to the things of this world. Now, how many of you would agree this? A Christian ought to look different than the world. Everything about him ought to be different. And Paul is going to address some things, some inward things. You know, we could, we could have a list of things that outward appearances, outward things that we ought to be doing. But Paul, here in this chapter, is going to concentrate on the heart. He's going to look at the heart. He's going to go deeper than just the outward. He's going to look at the inward. And he's challenging here, these are believers that he's speaking to in chapter number 12. He says, brethren, so we know he's talking to the Christian. So he says, I want you to, by the mercies of God, he's begging us by God's mercy that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, that you live in such a way that you're pleasing the Lord. And he tells us in verse number two to not be conformed to this world, not to be in line with, not to, not to be similar, but to be uniquely different from this world. You see, the moment that you were saved, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. That old man that used to control you, that old man that used to, to, to tell you what they wanted, what he wanted to do, where he wanted to go, what he wanted, that old man now is in competition with the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul, knowing that, says this, now that you're saved, brethren, don't be conformed to the things of this world. Don't go back and live the way you lived before you were saved. Now, now I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. Or given a completely different form or appearance. Transformed. My daughter yesterday my wife was out shopping and got them some easter dresses now they were home all morning long and all afternoon in uh, on a saturday i don't know if your kids do this but if they're not if they're not going anywhere they like to just sit around in their pajamas your kids do that or just mine yeah and they have kids in here or just me all right a few of you good how many of you like to sit around in your pajamas till noon every day yeah that's why i didn't raise your hand you say that's me he's talking about so we came back and our kids were still in their pajamas and the hair hasn't been done and, and you know, they just looked a mess. But we bought them Easter dresses and, and so we, my wife said, I want you to try these on and so they got out of their pajamas and came in with their beautiful Easter dresses. Now I didn't know this because I didn't grow up as a girl. So I had no idea that girls do this and I should have known this but I'm um, not usually involved in buying Easter dresses for them. So, what they did is that Easter dress, they were totally different than they were just a few minutes ago. Now, I found this out. The way you could tell a good dress, for some of you that are looking for dresses for your, your girls, the way you tell a good dress is if they can twirl in the dress. And so they put that dress on, and all they did is started twirling around to see if, you know, if, and they're watching each other. That's a good dress, Chloe said to Lily, because it twirled. They look totally different. 
It was amazing. They, they, everything about them was different when they put that dress on. They began to twirl. They began to have fun. They began to just, everything was different. They weren't, they weren't in their pajamas anymore. They were looking something different. And when they put that on, they were even different in their actions. None of them came in in their pajamas and started twirling around. None of them were, were, were acting excited when they came in, but when they put that dress on, they became excited. Paul is challenging us here to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And for what reason? Well, I want you to see here, he says this, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want you to write, if you write in your Bible, if you have a habit, I want you to circle the word prove. Proof. There's a, there's a purpose that Paul is getting us to here today. And I want to, uh, I want to look at this. And I know we are a little bit late here because of the Lord's table, but I want you to stick with me here today and, and uh, I want to help you today here. I want to help us as we are seeking to live the Christian life. And Paul is challenging us not to be conformed, not to look like this world, not to be confused with this world, but to be transformed so that we can do what? Prove. He's showing us a purpose here that ye may prove. My life as a Christian ought to prove who I serve. My life as a Christian ought to prove something. It ought to prove. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, if you would, please. We were just there when we were looking at the Lord's table here. Paul is, I want to show you in a verse here, Paul is telling us here to make sure our lives are right, make sure that we come to the table here. It causes us to think about what Christ has done. I want you to see here in, um, in verse number 26, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. he says, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show. Circle that word show. Take a note of that. Show what? The Lord's death till he come. He said, as often as you do this, you as a Christian are showing, or, or he's saying this, you're giving testimony of the death till the Lord comes again. We're showing what Jesus Christ has done, and we're showing that we believe he's coming again. Now, I preached last, last week, I preached on the judgment seat of Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ, he is coming again, and we as Christians ought to live our life in such a way where we are ready for his coming. We ought to live our life in such a way to where we're showing that we're in Christ. We ought to live our life in such a way, uh, according to Romans chapter number 12, that we are proving something. The purpose of the Christian life ought to prove who Jesus Christ is. Your testimony ought to prove who Jesus Christ is. He says here your purpose. Your life is to be lived in a transformed way that only comes from a renewed mind that can only come from a new life in Jesus Christ. Now listen, salvation is not a religious experience. Salvation isn't, you know what, I'm going to try this and I'll just kind of turn over a new leaf. No, salvation is a transformed life. I was a sinner and I was on my way to hell. I was going to pay for all the sin that I've ever committed. I was going the opposite from God. That's where I was. I was dead. The Bible says in trespasses and sin, a person that has never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are dead in their trespasses and sin. They're going one direction, and that's not the way of the Lord. It's opposite. It's a way of death and destruction. 
The moment that you were born into this world, you were born with a sin nature, the Bible says. You are a sinner. And, 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 and for, for God to love the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Without Christ, mankind perishes and dies. Eternal death. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, And now that we are saved, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, there is a walk that we're supposed to walk. There is a life we're supposed to live. Paul is speaking to the Christian. He's challenging us. He says there's a purpose. There is a purpose that you're supposed to live. Your life should prove good. Listen, we live in society today where good is bad and bad is good. I'm confused. I talked to a lady after church in the first service, and she, she's an older lady. She's got her grandchildren living in her home, and she said, the things that my daughter is dealing with at school, I never had to deal with before. There, we're living in a, in a world where it says whatever you want to do, it's okay to do it. However you want to live, is you, can, you can live that way. However you want to identify yourself, you can identify yourself however you want. You choose what you want. You choose what's good. There's not a God telling us that we are part of an evolutionary process, that that there is no God, and and you can do whatever you want because you are in charge. You deserve to be happy. And that is the humanistic philosophy that's being ingrained in culture today. But I want to tell you this, there is truth. There is good. The word of God is truth, and it never changes. Its truths never change. And we as Christians, we ought to live our life in such a way where we are a testimony of what good looks like. The world ought to see you. They ought to see how you live, and how you live ought to show the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's sad. It's sad that the world, the world that searches, the world that needs truth can't find it sometimes in the place they ought to find it, and that is the Christian. That's the church. The Bible tells us here that your life should prove what is good. Your life should prove what is acceptable. You know, we as Christians ought to be living a life that's acceptable to God, pleasing to him. Again, our testimony, our life ought to be proving how the world, not what the world says is good, but what God says is right. Our lives ought to be acceptable and pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your life ought to prove what is perfect. Our life ought to prove the will of God. Your life should be lived to prove God and prove his glory and prove his majesty and prove his grace. And so we find here in the first part of this chapter, we find the purpose. I want you to see with me in verse number three, the Bible says this, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Paul's dealing with pride. He's dealing with a haughty spirit. You know, man man can become very haughty. Man can become very self-centered. Man can get to the place where he thinks life is all about him, that God created everything for his pleasure and for him. The problem is this. We see the purpose. The purpose of a Christian is that we may prove, but the problem is this. We live in a a world where if we're not careful, we can become haughty. 
If we're not careful, we begin to think that life is about us. We begin to make decisions that make us happy. We begin to make decisions that aren't glorifying the Lord, but that are pleasing our flesh. But we're to be conformed, not to this world, but transformed with the renewing of our mind. You see, I can't do this in my own strength, though. That's what Paul is going to help us in the next few verses we're going to find here. We're going to see that we can't live this life in our own strength. This isn't something, a a program we're trying to see if this helps life a little bit better. We're not offering a program. What we're giving is, is eternal life through Jesus Christ. This, again, isn't turning over a new leaf. This is being transformed. This is being changed, renewed through Jesus Christ. The Christian life cannot be lived in your own strength. It's impossible. It's impossible. And verse 3 tells us to, where, to be humbled and look at what the Lord did for us. And I want you to see this. And Paul outlines chapter number 12 so easily for us. He says in verse number 9, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one toward another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. I want you to see here there's a process that each and every one of us as Christians ought to be living. You see, because, because I'm saved, because I'm transformed, because I, I'm a child of God, there's an action, there's a way that I live. Aren't you so glad that, that the Bible tells us what's expected out of us? Could you imagine having to live the Christian life and not knowing what you're supposed to do? But here Paul is helping us in showing us how the Christian ought to be how the Christian ought to behave. We're not to behave like we were before we were saved. We're not to be conformed to things of this world. The things of this world shouldn't be enticing us. We're not chasing the, the things of this world. What we're trying to do is become more Christ-like as a child of God. That's the goal. And Paul says the problem, though, is man gets in the way. Have you ever gotten in the way of yourself? Huh? Your flesh ever flesh ever raise up and make decisions? Do you ever do something you say, where did that come from? I was driving yesterday to a, to a, a funeral and on a Saturday morning on the highway, we got behind the slowest driver. And I kept telling him, I'm in a hurry, I'm trying to get someplace. And, and so they're in the fast lane. And I'm wishing the police were there. I'm wishing they'd get a t- I mean, I'm wishing all kinds of things. And my wife, she so kindly continues to look at me and she'll say, be a Christian, act like Christ. And I said, I think Christ would want them to speed up. You know, come on now, get out of the way. You know, here, here we are reminded often, you know, it, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take much to resort back into our old lifestyle. You know, I never taught any of my kids how to fight. And they do it so well. 
I never taught any of my children how to lie. You know what? They've lied. I've never had to teach any of my children how to throw a temper tantrum, and they were good at it as kids. You know, you don't have to teach someone to do wrong. It's natural. It's what the old flesh does. It's what the, the condemned man does. You know, we, we live life in a very selfish way. We live life pleasing to ourselves. But now that we're saved, life ought to be different. The child of God does not behave the same way. The child of God doesn't have the same desires. The child of God doesn't have the same direction. There's something different now about a person that's saved. Their heart's different. Their desires ought to be different. Paul says, I want you to see here in verse number nine, he starts this, how the Christian ought to behave. There's got to be something different about the child of God. He says here, there's a process. How am I supposed to live pleasing to the Lord? How am I supposed to live a good life? How am I supposed to prove what's acceptable and perfect? How am I supposed to prove the will of God? Paul shows us here beginning in verse number nine. He says, let love be be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. He says this in verse number nine, love without deceiving. Love without deceiving. Meaning this, I'm not using what I can get from you for my pleasure. I'm truly loving with nothing in return. You know, a lot of people love so they can get, but here Paul is showing us that it's Christ-like love. I'm loving not so I get, I'm loving to simply give. He also says this in the same verse that we are to abhor that which is evil. You know what? Evil or sin ought to offend us. The things of this world, it ought to offend us. I was sitting in a doctor's office this week waiting to be seen. It was hard enough to get a doctor. It's hard to find a family doctor in Toledo. I figured that out. After 18 months of living here, I finally found one. And I'm sitting in the doctor's office, and, and uh, uh, time passed, and time passed, and, 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 and I'm listening to some conversation out in the hallway. The electric went out, and so we're sitting in the dark in the doctor's office. So they opened the door for me so I wasn't sitting in the dark and, and uh, I'm hearing this conversation that's taking place by the ladies that are working in the office and I heard some things that were just appalling. Appalling. Matter of fact, I said to my wife, These are the, this is the conversation that I'm hearing. Is this normal? And she said, I hope not. And then I'm sitting, and there's just some ladies there that are by the desk, and they're talking because the lights were out. And, and then, then I began to hear cursing. I mean, some vile words. And I got up out of the chair, and I walked to the front desk, and I told them what I was hearing, and I just said simply, I can't sit here and listen to this anymore. I waited a month and a half for an appointment, and this is what I have to endure. I can't sit around while, while God's name is being taken in vain. I can't sit around and, and feel good about evil that's being spoken to. You know, there's a lot of Christians that if we're not careful, we have been so accustomed to the things of this world that sin and, and things that are, are repulsive and things that are evil, we've allowed into our homes, we've allowed in our lives, and they don't bother us anymore. We allow things on our television set that we never should allow. We allow things to enter our eyes and things to enter our ears that we never should allow. 
and we become comfortable with it. There is an agenda I preached two, two Sunday nights ago. I preached on, on, on some things that are destroying our home and Satan is doing everything he can to destroy the home and what he is doing is he's pushing this gay and, and lesbian and transgender agenda to where we are being comfortable with it as Christians. It doesn't bother us anymore. It's sin. I just read of this, and I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it, but I had heard that we, give, we only give federal aid to foreign countries if they have legalized abortion. That's America. We won't give federal aid. Our federal government will only give money to other countries if they have legalized abortion. And we've gotten to the place, Christian, where evil it just becomes a part of what we're doing. We're living our lives and it's not bothering us. Alcoholism and drugs are running rampant, destroying lives. It doesn't bother us. It doesn't bother us. Matter of fact, the Christian, the church has gotten to a place where it not only doesn't bother us anymore, we now participate in some of those things. We now say it's okay. We now say I can do whatever I want to do. I can be whatever I want to be. I can live however I want to live. And Paul says, oh, no, no, Christian, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And if you're transformed by renewing of your mind, then you ought to abhor that which is evil. Stay away from that which is evil and resist that which is evil. What evilness coming into the lives of my children, evilness coming into the life of, uh, in my home. We as Christians, we need to hate evil. Listen to me, hating sin is very different than hating a person. I believe this, that anybody could be saved. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't believe that God picks and chooses those that will be saved. I don't think you can find that in the Bible. I know there's some that believe that, but I believe that God's a whosoever will. God, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God came to seek and to save sinners. Paul said, and he's the chiefest of them. But now that we're saved, now that we're transformed, now, now that we're different, now the Holy Spirit of God that's living inside of us, we shouldn't participate, we shouldn't like, we shouldn't go the direction that we used to go. We're changed now, we're changed into the gospel. Paul says here, we need to love. We need to learn how to love without being deceiving. We need to be offended by evil. We need to hold fast, he says in verse number nine, hold fast or cleave to that which is good. We ought to desire good and hold on to it. Hold on to it the, most, the best that you can. Don't seek to run from it, but embrace what is good. Live a life in such a way where we're proving it. In verse number 10, he goes on to say, be kindly affectionate one toward another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Now, I lived, I lived in Philadelphia from about 1983 to 2003. So about 20 years, I grew up right in Philly, and, and um, they call it the city of brotherly love. Anybody ever heard it called that? Those of us that lived there used to call it the city of brotherly shove because there was no love going on. But Paul says, those of you that are saved, there ought to be something different in how you love. 
We ought to have a love one for another. We ought to show genuine care to each other. You know, there's a lot of people right now in our church that have buried people that they love. There's a lot of people, there's a funeral today. There'll be a funeral yesterday. There's going to be people that are going to cancer doctors this week. There's going to be people that are getting news from their doctor that someone they love, that they're, they're going to have to endure some, some kind of physical pain. There's, there's a lot of people in our church that are going through a lot of physical things, a lot of hurt. And listen to me, the church ought to go to those people and love those people and gather around those people and love on them and help me to need. I was so encouraged last this past Tuesday evening when Brother Mickey found out that he had leukemia. He came to our board meeting that evening, and all the men that, that evening, they gathered around him. They laid hands on him, and for about 15 or 20 minutes, they prayed for him. Boy, he just, Brother Ganya, you were there. He just, just his tears just wept. I was moved as I heard those men praying in caring for someone that they love and hearing them go to the throne of God and beg God to touch his body, beg God to heal him. It was encouraging that somebody was reaching out and loving someone that was hurt. Here Paul says the difference between somebody that is not conformed to this world, that's transformed, what we find, they, they show genuine care one for another. Listen to me, the world is so full of fighting. The world is so full of anger. The world is so full of jealousy. Boy, I turned the TV on. I used to be the biggest Fox News junkie there was. I haven't watched it in weeks now. I'm so tired of the, the, the nonsense, the, the hatred, the, the, the selfishness that goes on. And that goes on in this world, but it ought not go on in the brethren of the church. It ought not go on in the house of God. Some have taken that ugly political system and dragged it into the house of God and made it about ourselves. That's not the way a Christian acts. Christian acts in genuine care, genuine love, seeking to meet the need in the life of someone else. You know what we find here in verse number 10 as well? It says this, in honor preferring one another. Now this is hard. Because this means this, somebody else, their needs are more important than mine. I was at lunch with my wife the other day and I'm, always open the door for her. She walks in and I stood there and I saw a couple that were coming up the sidewalk and so I waited. And I feel like this, when they saw me holding the door, they put it from like, they downshifted and just walked even slower. They didn't, but in my mind they did. And I'm standing there opening the door for them and I thought what would just take a few seconds was like, it seemed like turned into about an hour and a half, you know? I'm standing there, and they're coming, and they're getting closer. And the longer it went on, the, least, the, le the less I felt like preferring them over me. I felt like just shutting the door and going in the restaurant. I mean, didn't they know that I was there to eat? Didn't they know I was hungry? I don't have time for that. Oh, but listen, what Paul's saying is you should have time for that. You should live your life in such a way to where somebody else matters. You shouldn't live life in such a way to where well, other needs are being met and you're taking the time to do it because we're not in a rush. We're not about our own selfish desires. You know what I find most of the time? Most of the time when I'm too busy to serve others, it's because I'm busy serving myself. 
When I'm too busy to, to take the time to prefer somebody else, it's because I'm too busy making sure my needs are met. You know, Paul's saying here, we as Christians, we ought to give others first entrance. We ought to give others first. Do you like when people cut in line? Huh? We don't, do we? Why don't we like it? Because it makes me wait longer. See, Paul is saying those that are transformed, those that are Christians, those that are living a life pleasing the Lord, they're constantly giving others first entrance. I, I think about Jesus Christ on the cross, how unselfish he was. He left heaven's home. He left the, the glories of heaven to come and be born of, 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 of Mary. And, and he was 100% God and 100% man. He dealt with all the things that mankind has to deal with. He went to the cross. He bore our shame. He became sin for us so that we could be redeemed back to God. Is it too much for us to give others first entrance? Is it too much for us to live our life in such a way where we're preferring the brethren? I need to hurry here. I need to be done. The Bible says this, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. He says, not lazy in whatever you do. Intense emotion in the spirit and serving the Lord is our priority. Listen, I said last week, and I want to say again, that Jesus Christ, he is coming again. And that ought to motivate the Christian to be, to be excited. That ought to motivate the Christian to work. That ought to motivate the Christian to, to be inspired to give the gospel out to every living creature. Now is not the time for us to slow down. Not as not, now is not the time for us as Christians to kind of just go backwards and, and hold our faith secretly. No, now is the time for us to be busy giving the gospel of Jesus Christ out. I was sitting at a restaurant with someone that's here this morning this past week, and the lady came over to us and tried to be kind to her all, all during the uh, uh, service there because when we're getting ready to leave, I, I wanted to tell her about Christ. I didn't have a gospel track on me. You know, I thought, how do people witness without a gospel track? <laughs> so I didn't have a gospel track, and I said to the lady, hey, listen, I normally have a, a track that I can leave with you that's got some Bible verses, but I don't have that, so I'm going to have to give them to you all now. Began to witness to her, and she began to tell me, she said, I just did that last year not from this area, just moved to this area, and she just did that last, last year, just got saved. And what a wonderful thing to sit there and hear her testimony, how she's looking for a church, and she's got kids, and she wants to get into a church. She's, I've got a fiancé that, that really, really uh, um, you know, isn't interested in church, but I'd love to get him into church. You know, I was done our meal. We were ready to go. And I could have walked out of that place just, just going on with my day, but there was somebody there that I knew the Holy Spirit of God was telling me to talk to, prompting me to share, share the gospel with and encourage her. And what a wonderful thing it is, is when we take the time to do God's business, every one of us ought to make God's business our business. Every one of us ought to take the time to share the gospel. Every one of us ought to take the time without being lazy, without being slothful. We ought to be diligently, we ought to be found faithful serving God. 
I believe he's coming back and we need to occupy, the Bible says, till he comes. I want you to see in verse number 12, he says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. He says rejoicing in hope. You know what that is? The right spirit. You know, we live in a world that's so easy to get discouraged. We can look at all the things and get discouraged about what's happening. But Christian, we have hope. It's not time for us as Christians to get discouraged and write the world off. It's time for us to share what Jesus Christ has done for us, to live with hope. Listen, I'm not walking around defeated and discouraged. The life is, the world is going the wrong direction and it's going the wrong direction fast. Woe is me. What are we going to do? I'm going to live in hope. I'm going to have the right spirit. He says in verse number 12, not only the right spirit, we ought to be giving time to see what trials bring to perfect us. Look with me in ver- again in verse number 12. He says this, patient in tribulation. You know what that is? In order for us, knowing that we have the right spirit, we realize this, there's going to be trials in our life that we go through, and I need to be patient enough in those tribulations to see God work. You know, so often, so many of us, we look at all the society and everything that's going on in the business of a life and the trials that we're going through and the tribulations we're going through and the persecution we're going through and we get aggravated and we get upset and we say, God, when's this going to end? But we're not willing to wait long enough for God to show us himself in it. You know, Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. Romans 8.28 is still there. God is still perfecting us and molding us. There's some patience here. It's giving time to see what trials bring to perfect us. Sometimes God allows things in our life to perfect us, and what we need to do is be patient and let God work. We find here in verse number 12, I need to be finished now, but the Bible says we ought to be quick to pray. Verse number 12, he says this, continuing instant in prayer. Continuing to pray. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Christian ought to always be communing with God. Always be, be in a relationship, an attitude where we're speaking to the Lord and allowing the Lord to speak to us. You see, the Christians not to be conformed to this world is not to act like this world, not to do the things of this world, not to be in line with the things of this world, but we are to be, live a transformed life. We can't live this life without the power of Jesus Christ, without his strength. Just look and read through. I don't have the time to develop all of this this morning, but just read through those next verses and you would find that the Christian life that Paul is telling us that we ought to live, it's different. And those that see it, it ought to prove to them who Christ is. We ought to be living life in such a way that when others see our life, they see someone different. They see Christ Jesus.